everyone. Welcome to another issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for comic books and pop culture fans. This weekend, we've got our very special guest, our recurring, I guess we should say, resident scholar, Dr. Dr. Peter Coogan. How are you, sir? Very fine. I, I refer to myself as a pundit. I have a pundit gig okay. on the uh, on the podcast. You have been our most recurring guest on the show. I think the only one that's close to you is Matt Sturgis, and he's about four or five uh, guest spots behind. So thanks for uh, stopping by this weekend. Oh, I always enjoy it, Steve. Well, and one of the reasons why we enjoy having you come back on is because you bring a, a whole different perspective to everything that's going on, and you're telling everyone about upcoming shows and conferences that uh, that people might want to attend. And I know one of them is coming up just around the corner. Uh, that is the uh, Slack Off. What does Slack Off stand for? Slack Off is the St. Louis area comics-friendly faculty. It uh, The title just came to me. It's a, um, it's a collection of, as it says, St. Louis area faculty who teach at various universities. Uh, and they use comics in their classes, or they teach comics classes. And it's also... Uh, St. Louis area, it's what I call the St. Louis Comics Ferment. It's sort of, there's this kind of bubbling activity of oh, comics. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of bringing the academic side and the professional side together to talk about comics. And it's, it's aimed specifically at, uh, the idea that comics can and should be studied in universities because hmm. comics classes fill. Yes. A, a great example of this, I had a, a, a film class and it was supposed to be a, a Westerns class. Mm-hmm. And it got two people. Right? Yeah. So this was a, it wasn't going to start for eight weeks. So we changed it to a comics class, a superhero cinema class, rather. That day, <laughs> three more people signed up for it. Wow. And it ended up with like 25. Wow. They love the comics. Yeah, and so the thing is, a school should know what it's what it has the admissions officers faculty people should know what's going on about comics at the university Mm -hmm. because there are people who will decide to go to a school because they can maybe study comics right uh, and and they won't go to a different school two schools are equal comics might just push somebody over so it's an attempt to to kind of gather the st louis comics community talk to students talk to faculty potentially talk to admissions officers if they come and uh, really just kind of get everybody to meet and see who we are. And then it turned out, and, and this is something important for the listeners, that Webster University, where it's going to be held um, on March 26th from 9 to 4 in the H. Sam Priest House, is <laughs> very interested in comics. And uh, so it looks like next year, if everything goes well, we're going to have a Webster Comics Festival of some kind. Oh, Large cool. event. We'll get backing from the university, and then Slack Off will be um, an element of that. So this is a pure academic conference. I mean, this is. Are, do you have people presenting papers, or do you just have people sitting around saying, "Well, here's why," or is it more like a sales pitch to universities as to why they might want to hype their comic book classes, or may even want to have comic book classes on, uh, offered on campus? Well, that's sort of the purpose behind it, but uh, what it actually is, it's mixed academic and professional, as, as many of the things I do are. We're having four panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to start off with a, with a little talk uh, I'm calling Comics, a map of Comics St. Louis. So mm-hmm. I'm going to literally, I want to lay out a map and show all the different people who are teaching comics and people who are making comics. And, and the fact that Comic Art Magazine is here and the comic right. book shops, kind of a, a, literally a map. Mm-hmm. of what comics in St. Louis is. Just do a brief talk. Then we're going to have a panel on comic studies in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where we talk about just how comics are studied in academia, how uh, professors work comics into their classes, or how they got to teach comics classes, why they're friendly to comics, mm-hmm. how they got involved in studying comics, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Then we're going to do comics creation in St. Louis, and that's a roundtable discussion by creators about comics creation in St. Louis and their titles and like how is it different to be a comics creator in St. Louis than say in New York or Seattle or Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, then we're going to have comics in the classroom and that's going to be more individual presentations by faculty talking about how they use comics in their classes, in- including a discussion of their assignments. You know, oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about the comics market and that's a, uh, that's a professional panel. So we have two professional panels, two academic panels. Uh, the, the local creators are going to talk about the comics market, how to get into comics, uh, training, publication opportunities, just money issues, all those sort of business aspects of it. Right. And then we're going to close with a keynote address by, uh, Pierre Martin, who is a, a film scholar at at WashU, Washington University in St. Louis, who's going to talk about some of the connections between comics and film. Okay. So it's a nice day. Yeah, and uh, I'm just curious because you said you're going to lay out kind of a map of the stores and the schools, and how big is that map? I mean, I'm always surprised when I see where comic creators are located, where stores are located in a big area, where universities are located. Just, you know, in the Kansas City area alone, there are, are tons of creators, Um that are that are hanging around that area, and and I think most people think, well, you're either in California or you're in New York. How big is this this market in St. Louis? Well, you know, it's I don't know really how big it is. We have, um, I think, we have five or six creators who are presenting uh, or participating, but there's there's more than that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really know how big it is. Part of the reason we're doing Slack Off, um, which is we're also calling the Institute for Comic Studies uh, uh, Forum. Just because uh, the press people at, at Webster went, nobody will know what Slack Off is. And went, You're right. That's cool. Just, um, but I don't really know. I mean, I, I'm going to put on the people that I have and I'm going to just put up all the information that I have. But part of the reason we're having this is to gather more information, is to get people connected and so forth. It's a kind of uh, running up the flagpole, see if anybody salutes sure. sort of a thing. Sure. And it, it's really now that uh, now that the university's interested, it's a kind of a trial run for next year. We're just going to mm-hmm. we're going to have it meet, talk see happens, and, yeah. uh, and see what happens. And then and then next year we'll have the uh, the resources and the time and and uh, and so forth to really put on something that's uh, more involved and bigger. Well, and you kind of outlined some of the presentations and topics that you're going to be covering, but I also brought you on today because I wanted to talk a little bit about a big news item that uh, has gotten a lot of the the intard webs kind of worked up. Now, I work at a university, and I teach media studies, and in video production, we talk about things like shots and angles, and we talk technique, and we look and understand theory about composition and what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, I give a students an assignment – where they will go out and they will shoot just 20 different shots of a park bench to see what kind of shots they can come up with to explore creativity and these kinds of things. And, you know, sure enough, we'll come back and I'll sit down and look at all the footage, and these students haven't been around one another. But every so often I'll see shots that are exactly the same, uh, shots that unintentionally are, are the same. And we talk in academia about plagiarism, and we, we talk about plagiarism with text, and that's very easy to, to point out, to see if someone's copying somebody else's work. 
But there's this uh, case, well, not really a case, but this incident that came up with Nick Simmons, who is the son of Gene Simmons from, uh, from Kiss fame. And he's been accused of visual plagiarism in his comic book. Um, what is it? It's from Radical. Incarnate is the name of the book. And he's been accused of visually plagiarizing panels and pages from manga comics, specifically a title called Bleach. Have You're aware of this, aren't, are you not? Right, yeah. I've been reading up on it. So, how do, we, how do we discuss visual plagiarism? How do we deal with visual plagiarism? Is there such a thing as visual plagiarism? When do we move from directly copying something, or when do we pay an homage to something? I mean, that's like three different questions in there. So, what can you tell us about just plagiarism, just as a general topic. Well, the thing about plagiarism, there's there's a number of different contexts, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the intentional fallacy, right? Which is a theory in um, in uh, criticism that you you actually can't. It's really in in uh, in uh, art uh, literature criticism, mm-hmm. and it's the idea that you really can't worry about the meaning intended by the author. Right. Right. That, that that's not important. And this, this comes out of new criticism because they've just looked at the text. Mm-hmm. The thing is that's about art. Somebody's made an artistic statement. Mm-hmm. And so their opinion might not matter about it, you know, in terms of interpreting it, but plagiarism is all about intent. When someone, when you have a paper from a student and they've, they have not adequately cited. Right. Is it because there's an attempt to deceive or is it that they just don't know? Right. So that's one of the things is you have to figure out when you're teaching what the intent is. Also, there's sort of purpose in it. When, when a student plagiarizes, mm-hmm. they're not doing their own work. So their work doesn't demonstrate whether or not they've learned. And the, given that their work, one of the purposes of the work is to get them to re- learn, right? You write to discover, you right. write to learn. Right. You also write to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't do that, so it doesn't fulfill the, the assignment. On the other hand, teacher plagiarism, um, which is very common, and it's fine. And t- what I mean by teacher plagiarism is, and I don't know if you've done this, I've done this, you get an assignment from a friend of yours, mm-hmm. another graduate student, a professor, and you use the assignment right. in your class, flat right. out. You right. photocopy yeah, the yeah. assignment. Yeah, that's I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how many people have, have used my... 20 shots of a park bench. I mean, I lifted that from one of my instructors in school. He was like one day going, oh, go out and shoot 20 shots of a park bench. And yeah. then I started incorporating it. And then another instructor said, wow, that's a great idea. I'm going to incorporate it. And somebody else incorporates it. But I understand what you what you mean by the unintentionally. I mean, we've had students where we run all of the student papers through a, a software that goes out and looks for plagiarism. Mm-hmm. And occasionally we'll have students that are quoting blocks of text that don't cite it correctly, or they cite it correctly, but the system still catches it as possible plagiarism. And we look at that and we examine it. And we talk with the student about you know what they did right or wrong. But then we have students. Uh, we had one student uh, just recently who found a paper written in, in Chinese, translated it to English, and then put <laughs> his name on it and turned it in. And that would be that would be what we term plagiarism. That is, right. you know, a punishable to deceive and right. it doesn't fulfill the purpose of the paper the right. paper is to get the student to come to a new understanding of the material right and to demonstrate that they're meeting the course objectives right right 
Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why plagiarism from students is is its own its own sort of thing. And that's why plagiarism from from professors is not actually plagiarism because the purpose of borrowing an assignment is to make a better experience for the students, right? Right. And where you get that assignment. So what I'm trying to set up there is the idea that it all depends. It, it's, you know, audience, purpose, and genre. When you, when you plagiarize in the workplace, you know, not doing original work, that it depends upon the workplace and it depends upon what you're doing it for, you know. So with, with art, visual plagiarism or art plagiarism or swiping, Mm-hmm. Right, these things um, they mean different things, and 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 part of it is you know is intent. It's an intent to deceive, an intent to uh, uh, put forward someone sort of someone else's work. Except it's not really someone else's work, even if it's traced. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking at some David Mack stuff. Mm-hmm. David Mack has this light box technique, right, where he traces ads and he traces things. And yet, if I looked at the comic book. It's well drawn. Mm-hmm. If I traced it, it mm-hmm. would still look horrible. <laughs> so, you know, and, 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 uh, if you look at, like, Alex Ross takes his own photos. Right. He uses photo references. Right. Well, what's the line between a photo reference and copying and plagiarism and swiping? And, and swiping has a long history in comics. I mean, if you look just on the Wikipedia page on swiping, you know, they talk about all these different people, you know, C- Kirby swiped. Right. You know, everybody swiped. Well, and in fact, oh, go ahead. No, that's what I was going to say. Is I mean, is it intentional? I mean, in the case of of Jack Kirby, are you talking about he intentionally looked at something else and said, "Oh, what a dramatic pose," or "What a great angle," I'm going to copy it? Or is it this unintentional thing where eventually, with so much art out there, every occasionally someone's going to land with the exact same pose or form or whatever? Well, you know, there's a number, again, there's a number of different things. Like, like Rich Buckler, uh, who in the 80s did a lot of swiping. The Comics Journal, uh, you know, busted him. They had mm-hmm. uh, swipe file. You know, it, it seemed to be sort of, sort of a, a laziness, right. I would say. Um, and, and I think on Nick Simmons, that's kind of what it is. But then there's, uh, there's Keith Giffen, mm-hmm. who, uh, uh, you know, was reproducing this, um, this Spanish artists, right? And it turned out what he talked about that he wasn't even aware that he was doing it. You know, that he had been reading so much of the, of the Spanish artist that it just seeped in and somebody started showing him photocopies of the art and he couldn't believe it. (laughs) You know, he did not realize that he was doing it. He was flabbergasted. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I remember seeing those in, in the, the, uh, in the uh, uh, swipe files of the comics journal, and you know he wasn't he wasn't uh, uh, a tracing. You right. know, it's just that he had been doing so much of it; it just soaked into his brain. But he he had actually hurt his career for a while. He had to stop drawing, and he I remember I think I remember that at the time that he sort of had to stop drawing because he couldn't he couldn't get free from it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just intentional. Um, but then. You know, and, and all sorts of artists start off. I mean, they start off as clones. Uh, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz started off as a Neil Adams clone, mm-hmm. but then he sort of burst out onto his own. So there's, there's a sense in which copying is used as a way of, of training oneself. And in art school, of course, yeah, they have they assignments do. where they have to copy. So yeah. the, 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 the thing is, 
what is the final product? Does the final product as, as a piece of art stand on its own? Mm-hmm. Um, then is there, is there an attempt to deceive? Again, it, it, it's like an homage. The thing about an homage is you're saying that your audience is going to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many covers of comic books have you seen that duplicated Action Comics number one? Oh, I mean, just recently, Buffy the Vampire Slayer last month was, was duplicating it. Exactly. So, and the thing is, the artist sends that out knowing that the audience is going to pick that up. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are people who have never seen it. Or, you know, the cover of Fantastic Four number one and Justice League, uh, the, right. the first year's Justice League with Starro. Right. Um, those are imitations of each other. Mm-hmm. And how many times have you seen either or both of those out there? Mm-hmm. Right. So with an homage, uh, there, there, there's the, idea that the that the audience is going to know it but have you ever seen david lasky's boom boom number two i don't think so probably not it's it's a biography of james joyce and it's all swipes from early marvel comics now there's not you know when i looked at it i got it immediately i got the joke right Mm -hmm. but somebody might pick that up who never read the original, you know, the, the Marvel comics. Right. Uh, because it's a biography of James Joyce, you might have a Joyce scholar or somebody's oh, yeah. interested in Joyce picking it up, thinking, wow, this is really interesting. And then coming across the, um, the Marvel comics and saying, oh my God, it's plagiarism. Right. Well, he knew that his audience knew it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, there's some intent there. Now, um, with Nick Simmons, you know, he's, he's got this quote. Yeah. You want me to read Where he it? says, yeah, go ahead and read the quote. Oh, no, I think I just... Okay, he says... Da, 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 he says... Oh, man, now I just lost it. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just oh, have uh, it Oh, let me see. I've got it. it. I've got it here. Uh, let's see. Ba- basically, he makes this... this oh, here uh, it is. Like, here's yeah, here like it is. most artists, I'm inspired by work I admire. Mm-hmm. There are certain similarities between some of my work and work of others. This was simply meant as an homage to artists I respect, and I definitely want to apologize to any manga fans or fellow manga artists who feel I went too far. My inspirations reflect the fact that certain fundamental imagery is common to all manga. This is the nature of the medium. I'm a big fan of Bleach as well as other manga titles. I'm certainly sorry if anyone was offended or upset by what they perceive to be the similarity of my work between my work and the work of artists that I admire or who inspire me. Now, you know, that uh, is a statement he's, he's claiming it's an homage, and yet I've read... In another statement, which unfortunately I, I can't find uh, to give the uh, the citation, that previously, you know, he had said he doesn't read manga, mm-hmm. and so there does seem to be an intent to deceive there, right? Right. Oh yeah, especially if you're caught in a problem like that where you say, "Hey, I don't read it," and then you say, "Oh yes, I do read it, and I love it, especially Bleach." Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, is that he has. You know, it's not just certain fundamental. It's one thing to do um, uh, if there's sort of standard poses. You know, uh, um, uh, you ever see you ever see a, a a man opening his shirt? Yeah. You know, in advertising. Oh yeah, all the time. You no, know, right. And uh, Arlen Schumer at uh, at uh, two more um, uh, dynamic duo studios. He uses that image in his advertising work, and mm-hmm. it's an homage. It's a reference. To you know, DC Comics and Superman, and DC Comics 
they've had they've gone around the block in terms of suits lawsuits and so forth because DC Comics feels it owns that that that's an image that belongs to Superman right and that but it's a reference to Superman so right. is it an uh, is it a copying is it plagiarism is it copyright infringement is it trademark well, infringement yeah I mean sure there's certainly that that image is not trademarked or that pose is not trademarked, which is the only thing you could really do with that. I mean, I suppose you could try to copyright, but I think that would be really hard to do that. Uh, yeah, and I don't think you could trademark it either. No, but. no. I So this is just a very weird case because, again, where where does that line between homage and plagiarism? Again, you're saying it's intent. Uh, but again, what about uh, what's his name? Arthur. I forget how you say his last name. Sudiam, who did all the Marvel Zombies covers. Which was like uh, the the homage of of uh, the yeah. Norman Rockwell paintings, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously everyone's in on the joke there. But you know, when does it? You know, how come people aren't jumping over all over him? And and certainly Greg Land is another example where he goes in and he's been known to trace uh, photos of porn stars and and other actors and actresses into his comics uh, for action and reference. And no one's making a – I mean, maybe one time people made a big deal over Greg Land's work than they do now. But in this case, with Nick Simmons, it seems like people are just going after him, after him. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know exactly. In in, in doing a little research, I discovered that uh, that in Japan, uh, plagiarism issues with manga, visual plagiarism, swiping, it's a much more sensitive issue. Really? And so that that may be part of it, that the fans who are going after him – are fans who are sort of have adopted the Japanese cultural attitude mm. towards copying. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, I, I think the homage thing is you've got to be confident that your audience is going to know what it is. Then right. it's an homage. Right. And when it's, when it's clear, and I think it's much more difficult to do homages within a comic book as opposed to a cover. Mm-hmm. I think a cover homage, it's, it's, it's much easier to claim that it's an homage because the cover images are more specific, more mm-hmm. memorable, mm-hmm. and so forth, and, and they're out in front. Whereas within the story, um, unless you've done it in a way where you're, you're, where your audience is, is pointed towards the original in some way. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't seem to be an homage, and so then the question is, again, about intent. Is the intent just um, you, you really liked something, and you're trying to learn how to do it better? Mm-hmm. Um, and and in that case, it's it's like uh, we were talking. It's the Potter Stewart definition. Uh, Judge right. Potter Stewart's definition of pornography is right. I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things that. With plagiarism versus homage versus swiping, I know it when I see it, mm-hmm. but it's very hard to define. Right. Um, right. And and I think with swiping, um, you know, swiping has a long tradition. Uh, for instance, um, have you ever read the Dial B for Blog? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, history of uh, Batman. Yes. Yeah, especially with some of the early yes. uh, Bruce Wayne poses. Um well, right. It was all. I mean, the Detective Comics number twenty-seven is a giant swipe because the story. Oh yeah, the story itself. Sure, yeah. A, a shadow, shadow story. Shadow story. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, and the art 
all comes from uh, a little big book, mm-hmm. and the cover is uh is a compila is uh taken from a number of different things taken from uh um you know the 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 original piece that uh, Kane drew um Arl- again I mentioned Arlo Schumer he talks about this uh, he talked about it in um uh oh. Uh, oh, I can't, I can't think of the name of the, the book, but anyway, uh, yeah. it's on the Dow Beaver blog. You know, he, he, he takes it apart where it came from. It, it mm-hmm. comes from, uh, um, Flash Gordon. It's and, a, it's and, a fascinating, it's, it's one that I pick up yeah. on all the time when we talk about yeah. where, how did Batman, how was he evolved from all these other characters? And we do talk about but that. Yeah. What is interesting about all of those things is that it's, I think what Kane did was, even though it's all swipes, it's transformative. Because mm-hmm. that Batman story is not the shadow story. Batman right. is not the shadow. Right. And the, the poses, he, he has changed them. You know, not changed them, but repurposed, recontextualized them. Mm-hmm. Although what he was doing was just trying to bang out this, you know, book. Yeah, this little cheap Tencent book. Yeah, to get the money, you know, and, and, and trying to imitate, literally trying to imitate Superman because mm-hmm. he was asked, to produce another Superman, and he want, and you know, and then later, of course, he named, he signed his name to all these other artists' art. Mm-hmm. But you know, if everything were held to the standard that people are holding Nick Simmons to, we wouldn't have Batman, right? Um, and so these are there are all these fuzzy lines that it, it's difficult. But again, um, with with Simmons, I, I in in looking around for this today, I, I did come across. Uh, a quote from him where he said he didn't read manga. And, and as I said, and so, you know, that seems to be, they tend to see. So I, I think what would be best is if, uh, artists would have footnotes at the end. But I'm an academic. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Well, I've been a big fan of, of, um, of footnotes and editor's notes for a long time. And I love the collected editions like that DC and I think Marvel has a few out, especially the absolute editions where Darwin Cook, Went through at the back of um, yeah. of um, dang it, what was the name of that one? Not Silver Age, but uh, New Frontier. New Frontier. And he went through page by play page and said, "This is where this comes from. This is what this references to, and this is what this does." And I find that fascinating. And if if artists and creators did that in regular comic books, sure, it might eat up a page of ads or something. But I, I would find that stuff fascinating if they just said, "Oh, by the way, this is an homage too." Now, would you like to see that at the end of movies? Well, but then I think we would be sitting there for another two hours because, like I said, you watch one Michael Bay film, and then that, of yeah. course, inspired a whole line. Well, and I don't even know where Michael Bay got the idea. I'm sure he got it from Die Hard or something like that, where you see, you know, the big explosion and it done this way in the slow motion. It's like, oh, I've got to do that in my movie. And then the next person sees that, oh, I've got to do that in my movie. It kind of goes back to uh, something I was talking to in my class the other day of um, the use of sets and shots where you actually see the ceiling in the shot and before citizen kane you didn't shoot films like that you never saw the ceiling in a shot because you just didn't do that and so you know orson wells broke that convention and forced the studios to do that and the next thing you know everyone's kind of doing this does that mean everybody has to pay respects to orson wells at the end of their credits no because it just becomes one of these conventional things one of these ideas or ways of doing things but then of course how do you justify you know any of these people that we've talked about tonight saying oh i'm swiping this from that or i'm 
paying homage here or I'm directly lifting this from somebody else uh, in, in yeah. the case of Batman and, and the Flash Gordon stuff. Right. Or, well, an example of this is Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's these, there's a, there's a little YouTube video, uh, people can look for called Sources of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he took the, um, the scrolling, uh, Oh, the yeah, scrolling the words from Flash mm-hmm. Gordon, because mm-hmm. you know he wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie, and and when Luke comes and sees the burnt out uh, homestead of his of his aunt, that's from the Searchers. Right now, you know, is is Lucas swiping? Is it an homage? Does he expect his audience? I saw Star Wars. I had never seen the Searchers. Right. 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 So I didn't get it, mm-hmm. and you know he would have had to have known that the majority of his audience. Uh, uh, being teenagers would not have any sense of it, mm-hmm. but is it effective within the context of his film? Absolutely. Right. Does, did I want to stay when I was, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever to see all the footnotes at the end? No. No. So, it, it, but he knew that people who knew the movies would know that it was from the searchers. Mm-hmm. So it's an homage. It's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, to draw these lines. And, sure. and another example of that, have you, have you ever heard of the Wilhelm scream? Yes. Ah-ha-hoo. Yeah. Ah-ha, yeah. yeah. So, you know, people use that all the time and some of them use it in a lazy way and other use it in a, a, a self-conscious kind of ironic, clever way. Or, you know, how many, or how many times have we seen the movie? Uh, um, oh, it, there's a Bruce Willis movie. Um, it's, but it's also an Akira Kurosawa movie. Oh, you're talking it's about. It's also uh, a Clint movie. Yeah, you're talking about, uh, essentially, it's Fistful of Dollars. Uh, yeah, Fistful of two, Dollars. Two, in fact, that movie was just remade again not too long ago. I just recorded it on TiVo off of uh, Action Max the other night, where they remade it as a Japanese film put out in 2007, where again, it's the same story of the two rival gangs. Yeah, fighting each other, and they hire the lone gunman or whoever to fight back and forth, and whoever has the most money, that's who he goes to. Oh, and it's based on, uh, I think it's based on Red Harvest by uh, Raymond Chandler. Wow, right? okay. And and it's there's a Luke Cage book. Have you seen that one? Uh-uh. It's Luke Cage in the same exact wow. story. Wow. So, you know, but is that is that influence? Is it, you know, uh, it, it, these things, these things are lines. But again, I, I think... I think what we have to look at is, is the author's intention. Now, now, of course, golden age swiping, you know, there, they were just cranking stuff out. They'd had no real pretensions that they were making art. Mm-hmm. They had no real idea that anybody would be looking at their stuff more than once. Mm-hmm. You know, they were making, they were, they were making junk, essentially. Um, and, and so in doing that, you know, the thing that mattered was getting it done. Right. Um, and getting it done fast. Right. Because the more pages you draw, the more you get to eat, <laughs> you know? And so, um, it, it, you know, but I think one of the differences though, and this is an important difference with, uh, with Nick Simmons and he's under a burden that some others aren't because some aspect of his father's celebrity and his father's influence plays into his getting a job, right? Mm -hmm. He needs to be better. He needs to hold himself to a higher standard Mm -hmm. because if he doesn't, then it's just nepotism. Right. And then he doesn't, you know, 
I, I saw this with Nick Cage's son actually at, at Comic Con, and they were talking about. I went to a panel, and they were talking about his book, and I assumed he was the writer. And thinking, well, you know, it's easier for some celebrity to get in as a writer because, come on, you know, there's, right, there's, right, right, it can be disguised in so many different, turned out he was the artist. Wow. And I saw, I looked at his art, I was like, yeah, he's a comic book artist. You know, his art, he could, you know, his art is, is, is up there, you know, normal. I mean, it's nothing fantastic or, or, mm-hmm. or anything, but it's solid. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, what if, and I don't know if he's swiping or, and, you know, I'm not saying he is, but what I'm saying is that his work was solid. He could get a job at any comic book company just on the basis of his talent. Right. So when, when somebody who has a background, uh, uh, where they have an advantage, where it's not just based on their talent, although we all have, you know, I mean, John Romita Jr. can draw, but it right. helped that his dad was John Romita. Right, senior right right, right. Uh, but John Romita Jr. is clearly a talented artist or perhaps so, someone like Joe Hill who writes the Lock and Key series for IDW who's the son of Stephen King yeah yeah although there you know it's a, a difference of name and right right not everybody may know but still if people do know and you know all these sorts of things mm-hmm. but I think if you're in that situation you as a creative artist have to hold yourself to a higher standard. And the, the sad thing about this is that disclosure would solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. If he had gone through and had a page in the end and said, you know, here's, here's where I took it from. But the fact that he had to get busted, you know, if he had talked about it in interviews, for instance, I'm sure George Lucas talked about the searchers. Oh, and yeah. it's in, and he's, you know, he's talked about uh, the Akira Kurosawa films many times. And he's talked about how he's used Greek tra- uh, Greek tragedies and stories to, that build upon this. So he, he, he has talked about it in the past. Right. So it's being open about it. And that's where the Potter Stewart definition comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, when you, when it stinks. Right. You know, when you can, when it doesn't pass the smell test. Mm-hmm. And so um, does this, does this pass the, sm- does the Nick Simmons one pass the smell test for you? I, I don't think it does, actually. I mean, it's, it's, and it's one thing, too, is when you get busted, just say, you got me, right, you know, right. uh, and, and be good natured about it and not act like you were doing anything else. Because that's the other thing that I think. If you come out and admit it um, openly and you just say, yeah, I was, that's what I was doing. Um, because there is a long sort of uh, a norm within the comic book industry of swiping. Right. right. Gil Kane's, you know, Gil Kane swipes, Jack Kirby mm-hmm. swipes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all these great comic book artists swiped. So it, it is a practice within the industry. And so that makes it okay. It's an, it's a norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing is, is you're still drawing, you're still doing the work. The work is still oh, your right, own. Right. And especially it depends on too on, can you interpret it? Some, can you add a little bit something in the case of some of these panels uh-huh. that we've seen? From Nick Simmons, yeah, it might be the same pose and it may be a similar style, but the page layout is different. Uh, yeah. Some of the character characteristics on the figure that he's drawing are different. So he's bringing a little something different to the table than just exactly. tracing the image and calling it his own and saying, give me money, radical publishing. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and also, you know, within the, you know, and I haven't read Incarnate, but, you know, with is the story good? 
you know, is the, um, is the story worth telling? And, and also is the story, you know, based on, is, is he just retelling somebody else's story? Is it an original story? But mm-hmm. the other thing that this comes down to, and of course, with that, we damn, uh, Kane and Finger, right? Mm-hmm. Cause their story is based on right. something. And, and right. yet I don't think, again, I don't know why exactly, uh, the, the Batman doesn't bother me. And I think it's because they, they had taken these things from other genres. Yeah. And create, we're working to create the new genre of the superhero. Right. So because they made it a superhero, it was substantially transformative. Right? Oh yeah. If, yeah. It's kind of like what, taking a car, you know, a, a 49 Packard or something, and you're adding different parts to it. You're putting in different things. It still looks like a modified 49 Packard, but today it's a muscle car or right. it's a well, something or else. There was this group in Chicago and they were doing Brady Bunch scripts. Yeah. As, as theater. <laughs> and the thing is, it's substantially transformative. Okay. It, it, something that in the Brady Bunch TV show is, you know, it's just kind of dopey, right? Right, it's, right. You know, but when I, and I listened to it, you know, on, on some, on, uh, uh some public radio show a long time ago, it was hilarious. Oh, that's funny. There was just something about the performance that transformed it, but it was, straight Brady Bunch. And yet they turned it into comedy. Real, huh. you know, uh kind of uh transgressive almost comedy. So and, and but you know, obviously it was open. You knew that it was a Brady Bunch script. They had right. they weren't presenting it as we're doing this a satire on the American family right. or something. Right. They were doing a straightforward uh, it was clear what they were doing. And, and that's the thing is, is being clear. Although, you know, with, um, with David Lasky and, and what he did in Boom Boom, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I read it, but, um, I don't think he said anything about it, what he was doing. Hmm. But okay. he knew the thing there is he knew his audience would get would, it, would get it. Okay. Although again, there's going to be a Joyce scholar out there who reads it. And is unaware yeah, of out. why the panels are laid out like this. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't know exactly where these things fall, but again, it's just that sense of of um, of how what respect is the artist showing for uh, their audience mm-hmm. and showing for the people's work who they're taking. But again, <laughs> that throws out Detective 27. It throws out so many things. So many yeah, things. Yeah, because, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they were just making this stuff. But it's, again, I guess the, the transform. So I think the way to tell is, is to have a number of sort of tests. Mm-hmm. You know, is the audience going to, is the, is it a, something that you know the audience is going to recognize? Is uh-huh. it, Something that's in some way respectful, whatever that means, to the original source. Is it, is it openly acknowledged? Is it, uh, winkingly acknowledged? Is it, um, is it transformative? And all these mm-hmm. sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I, and, and is it in and of itself a, a, 
a, a good piece of art in the sense of you know our artistic creation is it is, right. is it saying something that's worth saying or is it you know drac or yeah, imitative no. it, it, so imitative and sort of formulaic that it's not even interesting copy. yeah yeah well the, and that's the thing you know if this had been and again, I haven't read Incarnate, and I haven't read the source material. But this, but if this had been page after page of here it is in the manga, here it is in the in the Incarnate. Here's page two. Here's page two, and it was you know the same layout, the same style, and that kind of stuff. I probably would have a bigger problem with it. Yeah. But if it's just a, a page here or there, or if it's a panel here and there, then to me, it's not that maybe not that big of a deal and maybe people are blowing it out, but it certainly is interesting to have this come up because it spawns conversation and it gets us to get some scholars like you on here, some pundits like you on here to discuss the, the subject. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think it's necessarily like, um, I, I don't know that they, they need to suspend publication. Like yeah. it, it's not, it's not plagiarism. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he doesn't get an F. <laughs> for the course. Right? He's not kicked out of comics college. If people don't like it, don't buy it. Right. And if you don't buy it, they won't make any more of it. And if you look at, again, Bill Sienkiewicz or, you know, Keith Giffen, mm-hmm. so it took sort of a sabbatical from his, his artwork, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, came back stronger, better, more interesting. Um, I, I, I really think it's, uh, it, because it's art, there is a lot more flexibility there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of of kind of uh, what's that? And, and by I I think people you know just decide to drop it. I think sort of a boycott is going too far. I I, I think that's sort of taking offense. If if the original artists want to take offense, I think they have a right to take offense, and they can mm-hmm. tell people. Please don't buy this work. Right, it's derivative. Right. It, it's it's offensive to me as an artist. If you respect my work, right. don't do that. That's one thing. But I I don't think it's it doesn't seem right to do any sort of organized boycott. Mm-hmm. I think that's people identifying with the material a little bit too much, mm-hmm. and and to let you know. And it may be that you know five years from now, when he's gone through all this stuff, then he may be producing something you know, valuable and really worthwhile and, and original. Mm-hmm. And that this is just how he's getting to his own voice. If he never gets beyond this, and that's the thing with like Rich Buckler, he never seemed to get anywhere. Right. He didn't seem to develop his own vice, voice. He always seemed to be a Kirby clone mm-hmm. and not sort of have any kind of independent uh, sense of, of his own artistry. Right. Well, this is, yeah. this is a fascinating topic, Dr. Coogan. And listeners, what I want you to do is I'm going to put just as a tag or maybe I'll put it as a separate post up on the Majorspoilers.com website. I will put uh, this YouTube video called Sources of Star Wars up there so you can kind of look at so that you can see what we're going, uh, what we're talking about. And, of course, there's the comment section where we want you to talk more about this this uh, topic in detail. Or you can head over to Major Spoilers forums and talk about it in one of the many forums over there. And so, Peter, I really want to thank you for coming on specifically to talk about uh, this topic, but also to talk about some of these other shows uh, that Wait, you can have I just going do on. say one more thing? Sure, sure, sure. You sure. should also put a link up to the XDOC of Influence, a plagiarism by Jonathan Lethem. Okay, it's an, have you read that? No, I have not. It's a Harper's uh, Magazine uh, article, and 
it's com- entirely taken from other sources. Okay. And yet it reads as a fantastic article and, and meditation on plagiarism. And he footnotes it. And it's cool. a, it's a brilliant performance. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's, uh, it throws all of this into another light. Okay, cool. Now, yeah. what about some of these other shows that we have going up? We're going to go back into the shows you've got, uh, besides Slack Off, you've got a couple other big events that you wanted to talk about before we, we wrap up the show today. Yes, I do. And, and I want to say, uh, the smoking light is off because I don't smoke, but the uh, beer tonight <laughs> is Stockyard Oatmeal Stout from Trader oh, yeah. Joe's. Yeah. Good stuff. You get the reference? Yeah. Okay. We'll let everybody else get it too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, I thought that'd be funny to do within a play, show. We're talking about plagiarism. Yeah. Yeah. Swipe something. Yep. Uh, yes. I, we have two uh, upcoming shows. Uh, the first is the Comics Arts Conference WonderCon which is held during WonderCon, and they haven't got the schedule out yet, um, so I can't send you something to put up because they they, they like, a, of course, to wait, but we've got some really interesting panels on there. Um, there's uh, um, Can Becoming Batman Become a Seventh Grade Biology Curriculum? Yeah. Uh, there's a book uh, by E. Paul Zare called Becoming Batman, and a teacher, Lisa Vizcaro, looks at whether or not you can use that as the basis for a class. Or uh, there's a French scholar, Comé Martin, who's looking at musical rhythm in comics. Mm-hmm. You know, how especially silent or wordless comics uh, duplicate the rhythm of, of a, uh, of a, uh, the rhythm of, of music. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jennifer Stuller, uh, who has uh, her own site, Ink Stained Amazon. Uh-huh. She's going to talk about her book, Ink Stained Amazon's uh, Cinematic Warriors. And it's like we're super women in modern mythology. Um, we've got a, a whole manga panel. There's a, 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 a professor who's also a, a manga creator, uh, Lin Fan Shen, who is going to talk about a, a book she did 10 years ago as, as a teenager and coming back to it, uh, and talking about it, um, and, and coming out as queer and so forth. And okay. then there's a, a paper on, Gender fan and reading practice among among readers of translated manga. So, we're, mm-hmm. and 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 then Trina Robbins is talking about uh, the sort of Dorothy plot in manga. Oh, so cool. it's a sort of manga panel focusing on women creators and readers. Oh, that's neat. Um, if anybody's read um, uh, Holiday, the uh, the long Halloween, yes. and wondered who the Holiday Killer was. Mm-hmm. Steve Higgins, who is a, uh, a professor in the St. Louis area, is going to try to answer that question. Okay. Um, we have a, a panel on superhero origin stories with uh, Robin Rosenberg, who's a psychologist. She did a fantastic panel last year on the uh, on the Joker, whether he's a psychopath. Yes. And Steve Englehart's on that panel. Mm-hmm. And also James Robinson of Starman. And they're going to talk about how... Uh, um, uh, origin stories work. Oh, cool. Right? Yeah. Uh, if people like poetry, we've got, we've got a panel from Buffy to the X-Men female comic book superheroes in women's poetry by Janine Hall, who is a, a, uh, a poet mm-hmm. and, uh, Maya Zeller, who is a, uh, uh, has a site called superhero poetry anthology. Um, a great, a great panel on Sunday about, um, Jews and comics. Okay. So, um, is that, and so, is that characters or is that creators or creators? Okay. 
Yeah, um, creators of uh, Jewish creators of comics, and uh, uh, Tom. Uh, it's Louis Schubert who is the um, he's at the Contemporary Jewish Museum in uh, San Francisco, mm-hmm. and he's put on this panel, uh, and he's going to have Thomas Andre, who's uh, written a lot of stuff about. Uh, he's done some real interviews of of early comics creators, cool. and uh, um, uh, has uh, a lot of insight into that early stuff. Um, that's gone on. Um, and we have a focus panel, uh, Derek Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, Robertson rather, who, um, uh, Transmetropolitan and, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Stanford Carpenter, who's at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, is going to do a, um, uh, a, what we call focus panel with, where they talk about his career and, uh, and everything, uh, that he's done and his view of art and, and, uh, a real sort of overview of what he's doing. Yeah. Very cool. And, and, you know, so we've got, a, uh, some other things we've got going on too. Uh, so that's, you know, WonderCon. This is our fourth year with the Comics Arts Conference at WonderCon. Mm-hmm. Um, I had planned on going this year, but, um, <laughs> uh, I couldn't quite afford it because a, a class didn't make. And then I thought I would go to the Popular Culture Association Conference, which is here in, um, in St. Louis. And I haven't been in years, but then, I got invited to go to the graphic novel adaptation film festival. Oh, now that sounds really cool. Yeah, Lakeland Community College. It's uh, it's just outside of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they they've had a an event there for for a couple of years, and they've uh, they're just bringing together. Their idea is they're going to look at uh, com- comic book movies now. Even though they call it graphic novel adaptation film festival, right. it's not really uh, adaptation because most of what they're looking at doesn't come directly from a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. But the idea is they're gonna it's gonna be three days, April first, April second, and April third. Uh, we'll watch a film in the morning and a film mm-hmm. in the afternoon, and for each film, we'll we'll talk about it. I'm gonna MC it, so I'll I'll, oh, I'll cool. do some setup. Um, sure. We'll have. Scholars and professionals on the panels. Denny O'Neill is going to participate. Ah, excellent. Um, uh, uh, Brooke Keesling, who's a professor at uh, uh, um, this uh, uh, creative institute in in Detroit, but she also uh, did the the miniatures on Batman, on uh, Dark Knight, and on oh, cool. Iron Man. Cool. And it's funny, I met her at the San Diego Comic Con. We were talking about Dark Knight. We were out at a diner eating. She's like, uh-huh. I made the Batmobile. Oh, cool. And, and she made the Batmobile <laughs> miniature. The thing oh, is, most, you know neat. the scene where they're transporting, uh, Harvey Dent and the Joker's attacking? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's all, most miniature? of that's miniatures. Wow, cool. Yeah. Um, and so they're doing, uh, Dark Knight and Iron Man, uh, X-Men, uh, uh, Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, yeah, and uh, Sin City and Watchmen. So only Sin City and Watchmen are actually uh, adaptation, right? The others are all, yeah. you know, inspired by or something. Yeah. But well, and but many of the cases, fun. many of the cases in Iron Man, you need to pull up some of the origin stories in Iron Man because those first scenes in the movie are almost right out of the uh, the first Iron Man tale. Of course, the location is different. You know, the Middle East versus yeah. uh, Vietnam or Korea or wherever that he was at. Uh, but man, it's it follows that very oh, yeah. frighteningly and, and, and closely. There is there is a lot of sort of inspiration and adaptations mm-hmm. of of individual stories and bits put in together. But the you know the, the 
it's not like uh, Watchmen is yeah. based on a graphic novel, or Sin City is based on two right. graphic novels. Right. Um, with Iron Man and and Dark Knight and uh, uh, Hulk, you know, these are drawn from fifty years. Oh of yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Tropes, tidbits uh, here and there, characterization, yeah. tidbits here and there, and sometimes you can track it down to individual stories, like with Iron Man, and and obviously there's a lot of stuff, you know, from year one that go that went into Batman Begins, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, so but the relationship between the original texts and the film is different from the right. relationship when there's when right. there's one text, you know, right. That yeah. that sounds like a fun festival. When is that? That's April. That would you is say first, second, April, and third. First, second, and third at Lakeland Community College. Uh, you know, somebody just Google that. It's uh, it's just outside Cleveland. Wow, cool. And I think uh, Kirtland, Ohio. Man, up near Mentor. Too bad I have so. too many things going on. I just want to go to all these things that you start talking about because they always sound so well, fascinating. You know, yeah, that's the thing. I, I want to be uh, Jamie Madrex because <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> you know, I want to be at four <laughs> things that like weekend, someone's... right? Yeah. Oh boy. Or you know, three thing, three or four things that weekend. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I can't be, so that's okay. <laughs> and then do you also have a couple others as well that are coming we up in the, in uh, April? we've got, yeah, in April, later in April, uh, the two things on the same weekend, the, uh, uh, um, s- like the 16th and the 17th, we've got the comic studies conference, which is a new conference at, um, at, uh, C2E2, C2E2? which is yeah. a mm-hmm. new comic book convention. Um, and we're going to have, uh, you know, we we got a, a comics and visual language panel talking mm-hmm. about the uh, space time spectrum and comics theory of visual relativity and sequential art. You know, um, and uh, a panel on on uh, a paper from David Olson, who's here in St. Louis. He's uh, planning slack off with me, and he's talking about why Watchmen deconstructs nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Turn around because and what he does, and this is the sort of maybe interesting value of scholarship is he's going to. Go into Derrida, Jacques Derrida, who's sort of father of deconstruction, okay. French criticism, and really look at it and, and, and talk about the way that Watchmen, in fact, doesn't oh, really cool. deconstruct according to the theory. Well, I know you that know? there's a lot of people planning on going to C2E2, so that's probably a panel yeah. they want to go to. Yeah, we, we've got uh, about 16 hours of programming, I think. Uh, or so we're going to do it on on uh, I think it's all on Friday and Saturday. Oh, okay, cool. You know, uh, Robin Rosenberg also again. Uh, uh, our superheroes just law, vengeance, vigilantism, and compassion in the superhero universe. Wow, so that's pretty good. Um, Shakespeare and comics, you know, excellent. Um, paper on Sergeant Rock, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Todd Allen on the economics of web comics. Oh, very cool. You know. Yeah. Uh, David Allen Duncan from the Savannah College of Art and Design, training future con- cartoonists despite industry uncertainty. Wow, you know, um, so we've we've got you know just a whole a whole host of things oh, yeah. uh, 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 going on. Uh, Roman Columbo's doing Getting Medieval. The Joker is a manifestation of the medieval vice. You oh, know, from cool. Mor- yeah, Rowdy yeah. plays. Yeah, yeah. He he argues that the Joker uh, uh, really draws on this older tradition. Of medieval morality plays. Hmm. That's a, that's so, one of the things that I like about the conferences that 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 you help put on or that that you talk about is because it's not just sitting down and talking about 
well, here's what's coming up from our company, or here's a quick yes. breakdown of the history of this character in our comic strip. This is stuff that really gets into you know a lot of a lot of thinking, a lot of fun topics, things that people might not have ever thought about some of these characters or topics before in an academic way or or a, a very different way than what than what we're used to. Yeah, exactly. That's the um that's the fun of it, isn't it? You know <laughs> it that, is. that people are going to um approach things from a variety of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And it, it isn't about um promotion. Right, right. No? And I, yeah, and I, I think I'd probably unfortunately I end up having to cover all the promotion stuff. But man, yeah. I could just get lost in just sitting for sixteen hours listening to every single one of these conferences that you or these panels that you've mentioned in all of these conferences. I mean, even the Slack off one that you mentioned at the beginning of the show sounds a, like a lot of fun. The graphic novel film festival, that one, I think for anybody that teaches a film class that, that uh, deals with comic books to film, that sounds like a perfect uh, event to go to. Uh, you've you mentioned WonderCon, of course, that's a great one. Uh, just so many different things for people to go out there and, and check out. Yeah, yeah, and we're also running programming during uh, uh, Wizard World. I don't have uh, I, I don't have a th- uh, I don't have the programming sadly because okay. um, um, I, someone else is is actually running it sort of on the ground. Okay, um, and but and also the you know the. We really need to wait until the the announcement is made on on the on the individual websites. They like, you know, they like to do that yeah, themselves. Yeah, they, they like, to like to themselves. make the first and break the. Of course right. they do. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, well, it, it, anything else that you want to mention tonight, before or today, depending on when people are listening. Hello, future people. Yeah, <laughs> hello, people, people in the future. <laughs> All the way in the year two thousand and ten. <laughs> um, uh, not particularly. Just uh, with Slack off the the sort of where that comes from is there's this uh, there's this short film by Abbott and Costello called Loafing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Abbott's or um, yeah, Abbott's been out working all day at a at a bread at a bakery he's been loafing right mm-hmm. you know he's been making loaves and anyway but he comes in and, and, and costello's lying on the bed reading a comic book and abbott basically says to him get to work and costello goes i was working i was reading a comic book <laughs> and and that's slacking off you're slacking off no yeah, yeah. and i have students who tell me this you know they it's great because they're sitting there it's like what are you doing reading a comic book you should be doing your homework I am doing my yep, homework. Exactly. I told you know, my students the same thing in video class. I was working. CSI. I was, yeah, I was working. I was reading a comic book. I, I am, you know, I am working. <laughs> I'm watching TV, you know. Um, and, and that's, um, I think, the sort of value or interesting thing about, about, about studying popular culture is that in the past, the culture that uh, people shared, the common culture, was, you know, the Bible, mm-hmm. classical myth, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, Shakespeare, these sorts of things. And But the metaphors that we use and the references that we make now, you know, are to popular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we really do need to understand it in the way that people used to need to understand the Bible. Yeah. Right? Because these are the the things that we that we know and that we refer to and that we use metaphorically to explain ourselves and and to think about things. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times has 
with great response, with great power comes great responsibility. How many times does that come up? Right. You know, I, I make an argument that if, 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 uh, George Bush had, uh, understood, uh, the superhero genre, he never would have invaded Iraq. <laughs> um, you know, but these sorts of things are what we need to understand. And the, the, what I'm trying to do with the Institute for Comic Studies is trying to engage in public intellectualism. Sure. Make, helping people to better understand what they read, what it means. Uh, really, it's the ontological vocation of humanization, all of which is a big way of saying how to help people become more human by using their capacities and their, their, their propensities and their abilities mm-hmm. to a greater extent to understand who and what they are and, and what's going on in the world. And that's what we try to do with the conferences that we're doing. Excellent. Dr. Coogan, thank you so much for being on the show again. Where can people find you? You mentioned the Institute for Comic Studies. Where can right. people find that website? www.instituteforcomicstudies.org. Okay. And what about yourself? Do you have a private page now or a public page now where you're I, posting? I don't stuff? have a page. Oh, uh, I have a, I have a, I have a Facebook page. Um, the Institute for Comic Studies has a Facebook page. Okay. Um, uh, but I, I don't have, I just have the, the, uh, the X website. Okay, excellent. And uh, be sure to check out all of those conferences that we mentioned uh, earlier in the show. And thank you, listeners, for taking your time to join us on this weekend, this beautiful weekend. Hopefully it's beautiful wherever you are. Remember, on Tuesday, we're taking the look at The Losers from Vertigo Comics. The movie is just around the corner, so that makes it a good time to check out the source material. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you then. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler
Major Spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2010.